0: Yeah. All righty. Good morning. Welcome. I am uh, the the spiritual director here. I am Reverend Patrick Cameron. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you brought a friend, awesome. Thank you. We have been uh, circulating flyers and pamphlets and information uh, in our local community here. And so if you've accepted our invitation or if you brought someone with you, bless you. We appreciate that. Word of mouth advertising is always the best. So thank you so much. So uh, what I'm going to do right now is we're going to dive into a little bit of spiritual practice. Not that that song wasn't spiritual practice. That was just life-changing. But prayer, great music is always a prayer, isn't it? And so I'm going to sound this chime. And on this chime, you probably wonder what it says. It says, to Reverend Patrick Cameron, First Science of Mind 400, class 2006, and love from the students. And so uh, this was a gift from my students back in 2006. First group of uh, students I trained to be ministers. So that's what it says. All righty. So I'm going to sound the chime and then we're going to just settle into silence for 30 seconds and then I will offer an affirmative prayer. Here we go. invite you to know with me in this moment that there's only one life and that life is God that life is spirit that life is our life always forever we're always connected and as we breathe deeply feel it move through your body feel into it it is a spaciousness it is a beauty it is always available It is in the twinkling of an eye, and it is not enforcing, it is allowing and opening ourselves to the divine presence that moves in and through and as all of life. And when we stand in that, and when we're grounded in that, everywhere we look, we see the face of God. Every activity is fueled by and upon the consciousness of the infinite. And it only requires a moment to have our lives changed and transformed there is no mistake that we've come together that we are part of this community because something is seeking expression here and now that we are here individually and collectively to make a difference that the judgment the fear the lack the scarcity the betrayal the abandonment all of the activities of our humanity that we see played out are simply there to tempt us not to love one another for our personality and our ego are part of who we are, but it is not the truth of who we are. For The truth of who we are is infinite, divine, powerful, beautiful, blessed, eternal, invincible. And so I call forth that invincible quality within you this day to live more from that, grounded in that truth, making a difference in the world in a way that is powerful and fulfilling. And so I give thanks. I give thanks for this beautiful day. I give thanks for the beautiful spiritual practices in my life that have brought me to and have done through me and as me and for me things I could not even imagine. And so standing in that grace and that beauty and that love and knowing that that is for you as well as for me, for there is no private good, and I share that openly and unconditionally because it is endless and boundless. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Well, today's a special day, and we are honoring our youth today a bit, and then I'm going to tie us some of these ideas and experiences you've had. So we're going to bring up, here, comes our, here come our cosmic kids, and these are the young people that go downstairs so you can be up here and, and, uh, and be less distracted, if you know what I mean. But these wonderful, wonderful um, uh, young people, hi gang, come on over here by me, I won't bite, I promise. I haven't bitten anyone all morning just been amazing good morning good morning and so this is our a, a sampling of our cosmic kids we only had two at the earlier service sometimes there's a lot more than this and this beautiful lady this is michelle Deminic, and hi and she is the lady that holds the space and we could always use more help down there so if you feel called if you've never worked with children you're the one but you can come to see sue edwards over here but we we're always looking for great gifted people and we wouldn't put you down there forever maybe a sunday a month or something like that we can use your help. That's a beautiful experience. So I'm going to interview these children right now for a little bit. Good morning. What's your name? Jack. Jack. I know Jack. Jack's mom's right over there. How you doing, Jack? Good. What do you like about going down with the Cosmic Kids? What's your favorite thing? Playing. Playing. And what is your name? Good morning.
1: Cyrus.
0: Cyrus. What's your favorite thing about going down there?
1: Playing also.
0: Playing also. Okay. Sweet. Is Michelle doing a good job? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) <laughs> good morning. What's your name? Victoria. Victoria. I love your glasses. Look at that dress. Beautiful. What's your favorite thing about playing? Play. Play? Okay. Sounds like there's a lot of playing going on. Now. Good morning. And what is your name, sir? Leaden. Yeah. What is it again? Leaden. Leaden. Beautiful name. What's your favorite thing?
1: Um, art.
0: Awesome. I bet you're a good artist. I love your t shirt. Do you play soccer? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning. What's your name? Evelyn. Evelyn. Wow. <laughs> what are you going to be when you grow up?
2: A mm, fireman. A fire, a fire
0: a, girl. A fire girl. Yeah. Awesome. What's your favorite thing about uh, mm. going down and being with the Cosmic Kids? Playing. Playing. Awesome. And I think did someone skip? I may have lost a guy here. No. Nope. What is your name? Sophia. Sophia. What's your favorite thing about the Cosmic Kids?
1: Doing crafts.
0: Doing crafts. Awesome. Well, these are our Cosmic Kids. We just want to let you know what's happening down there. They have a great time. Michelle does a wonderful... And there's actually a curriculum that ties in with what we teach. So it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. So let's give them... Just thank you so much for being with us today. All right. Go have fun. See you, Jack. Give me five. Awesome. All right. Boys, the boys are all over on his side. Good. Enjoy. Okay, and thank you once again, Michelle. Jack said, bye, Mom. All right, and now I'm going to invite the, and our teens were here overnight. They did a, uh, say, we just called a lock in, but we changed that language. And I'm going to let Alicia, who is our, uh, she really is our youth minister here and leads the charge. And, and so we're going to bring our teens up right now, and they're going to share. And here's beautiful Alicia, too facilitate this piece
3: good morning again hello um, yeah so we have been here since noon yesterday uh, we did our we call it a spiritual sleepover or a spiritual overnighter now because lock people didn't know what we were doing locking the kids into a church but um, yes yeah, so we did four workshops uh yesterday and and uh, we did some love activities and so I'm going to give these guys a chance to share with you what they got out of this weekend and uh, to just give you some context. I've been up here and I've spoken about teen group a couple of times now, so you may have already heard this. But um, Centers for Spiritual Living, the global uh, teen program, the movement, is um, we've got our Did you get that? our mission, which is um, to give the teens the or to allow the teens to experience personal self-empowerment through a spiritual Awakening, And so it's really just a space for them to do some discovery and um, figure out what it is that's true for them and to speak their truth and to stand in their power, which is a really rewarding experience as an advisor to get to facilitate that, hold the space, but to watch them really step into that. And so um, myself and Saskia Bromwell-Blessing this weekend co-facilitated the sleepover and the workshops today. And I'm going to let you hear from the teens what they got out of this weekend.
4: Hi, I'm Diana. I'm 17. Uh, I've been in youth group since I was 13. And I've been at the center since I was about seven. Um, uh, when I first joined youth group, uh, it was like a big um, group of us that were like kind of like a community. And we supported each other and loved each other. And it was great. Um, And as I got older, like, people grew up and left, but we've gotten a lot of new people. Um, And so, like, this was the first spiritual sleepover we've had for a while because we finally have enough people. And... (laughs) Um, and I'm just really glad to see it growing and like I can pass on like what I've experienced and like what I've learned throughout my life because of course I'm older now. And so, (laughs) um, I can pass it on to these people like, um, Saskia passed on to me when we were teens, so that was good. Um, and so yeah, we're just going to talk about what we did this weekend, so.
5: Hi. Hi. Um, My name is Mackenzie. This is my first year in the teen group and the sleepover is like a lot of fun and it was really grounding. So thank you, Alicia and Saskia. Um, One of our, we did four workshops and they were all really like, I don't know, really deep. Um, And my favorite one that we did was called Soul Washers. And it was basically, Alicia put on some really nice calming music and then we got comfortable, like we got our pillows and our blankets and we got all comfortable downstairs and we got mirrors and we looked into our our eyes because as Alicia told us if you look in your eyes then you can really see yourself past the surface past your irises deeper into your pupils past all that your eyes are the gateway to your soul that's and when you actually focus on it it you realize that it's true and she told us to dig really really deep and find something or things that we love about ourselves and come up with a little mantra about it and say it to ourselves. So my mantra was, I love your creative ability. And I don't know. It just, we got partners and said it to them and looking into their eyes, which is just a reflection of our soul. I don't know. It just helped everybody, I think, feel a lot more confident. And so that was probably my favorite workshop that we did.
2: Hi, I'm Mara. I'm 15. This is my second year in teen group. And um, I think the workshop that we did yesterday, the called LinkedIn was really cool. Um, because first we tried to think of things on a surface level that we all have in common as a group and then on a deeper level. And it was really easy to connect on the surface, but then a bit more difficult um, when we tried to go deeper with it, but we still ended up finding something to connect on because you know um, we're all human beings and that seems to have like we all have deeper values that are the same. And I think that was really cool.
1: Hi, I'm Riley. <laughs> I'm 15 and this is my second year at um. The teen group, I've been coming a lot more this year, though, which is really good because I love the group a lot. Um, The sleepover was really amazing. I felt a lot more connected to um, my fellow members. And, I don't know, teen group just, like, really, like, helped and supported me, like, through these past You are too because it's such a nice tight-knit community and we all care a lot about each other and you can share your experiences, people share theirs and you know you can trust each other and you know you all love each other. And I just like really want to thank Alicia for like guiding us and mentoring us through this all because I've, CSL teams like the team group has really helped me um, grow closer to my spirituality and I'm grateful for that, and also thank you, Saskia, for helping with the sleepover because it was amazing. So yeah. Hi, I'm
6: Rosita. I'm 16. I've been attending teen group for two years now, and I've never been able to attend a spiritual sleepover due to work. But uh, this year I finally got to, and I'm so happy that I did and my favorite workshop was called my life and basically we (laughs) we like wrote in present tense about our intentions for exactly a year from yesterday (laughs) so this is dated november 18th 2018 and Basically, I just wrote all my goals that I wanted to have achieved by next year. So I'm just going to read like, a little bit from here. Uh, I love how this teaching works. I am reaching my goals that I planned a year ago and now expanding even more, reaching even further, setting goals and intentions that are impossible, but I know they're really not. At least that's what this teaching has taught me. So I'm just really grateful for that.
4: Hello, I am Gans. I'm 13. This is my second. And you're at the teen camp a group and I'm gonna be talking about teen camp. So basically, you in July
0: you get into a group and then you get on a plane and you have
4: to fly to California and go into a mountain and uh, talk spiritually with other people from around North America
0: or the United States basically. And <laughs> Um, and it's really fun and a
4: good time especially if you have issues that you want to deal with in a way and yeah it's pretty good but you have to come to Teen Group first
0: so yeah
3: thank you So a big thank you to all of you for to the community for supporting the team program and the team group and all of the events that we do. And today uh, in the back, you you may have noticed as you came in, we've got a Cosmic Kids tweens and teens section. It's like a youth corner. Uh, so we've got like the kinds of things that we do at Teen group. More information. We've got sign up sheets because as Reverend Patrick had mentioned, we are looking for people who may be interested in helping out, even just once a month. Um, stepping in and and, um, helping with these programs and watching these amazing beings grow. So thank you very much.
0: And I want to just uh, acknowledge Alicia and her work with the teens and to talk a little bit more about that today and and what I have uh, prepared. But a few months, I don't know, it seemed like six months ago, there were like one or two teens... And we've seen this over and over again. that continue to show up and do the work, and then they, the, the group starts to blossom again. Because it's it's what happens is these teens will track for three or four years in a teen group, and then they graduate from high school and they go off to university. They start jobs. They go to trade school, whatever it may be, and it takes a little bit of their it takes them out of the group. So uh, and so what we see is this this uh, attrition, and then it blossoms again. So it's fun to watch and see seventeens be able to be here and, and thank you Saskia for being part of this as well she, she's part of the energy and the legacy I mean these two young ladies have facilitated this this weekend Alicia and Saskia have gone through the program and they their their lives are a reflection of that and they're beautiful young ladies so we thank you for being who you are and for your commitment <laughs> All right. So I I have just one story I'm going to share with you today, and three ideas around that story, because, um, uh, you know, time, you know, I can go all afternoon if you guys have time, but I think there's a football game some people want to see, so, yeah, let's just know the guys in the green and the gold play as well as they can, We we don't outline in our prayers, we just know the highest and best for everyone involved. So anyway, here's a young man, the young boys, and here we are. I am, we are the place where abundance shows up. Sufficiency is abundance is what it says. You might not be able to read what sufficiency is, but that's what it is. Sufficiency is abundance. And so this comes out of Lynn Twist's book, and it says November 19th under there, actually. Um, I thought I had faded that image a bit more so you could read it. On my text, it's faded, and you see the text really well. But sufficiency isn't an amount at all. It is an experience, a context we generate. A declaration, a knowing that there's enough and that we are enough. So this whole idea of sufficiency is some, it's a context we generate, not that someone tells us, but to know that we are enough and there is enough, despite what the conditions are in our lives. Right now, we have enough. But most of us want to know the end of the story, want to make sure that there's enough to get to the end of all of the things that we can make up. Right now, there's enough. And so today I want to focus on three ideas that I'm going to roll into this story and also cross-pollinate with the experience of our youth here and also what's happening in our community because there's exciting things happening here. Number one is challenging the status quo. Number two is shared leadership. And number three is dig your well deep. And so I want to talk a little bit about a story that Lynn Twist writes about in The Soul of Money We have these available in the bookstore if you're interested in paperback. And um, it's a wonderful book, wonderful illustrations. This comes out of the, the chapter in the book called Sufficiency, the Surprising Truth. And so I really appreciate the insights that she brings to consciousness upon the planet. So she talks about, she became a member of an advocate for the Hunger Project. So to help make sure everyone had enough to eat and clean water to drink became one of her advocacies, along with working with the rainforest, which I talked about a few weeks ago. So I have a map here of the the northern part, northern west part of Africa, and you'll see on the left there is Senegal. And Senegal is a small little country. It used to be where the slave traders from the French colonies, the French colonized it built castles, and they made their money by selling slaves into slavery. That's part of their legacy. Now they're historical buildings. But anyway, they got a call through the Hunger Project to go and, and serve a tribe that was struggling. And the tribe lives in the Sahel Desert. Not the Sahara, but the Sahel. And the Sahel Desert is covered with this fine yellow dust everywhere you look. Very, very desolate. And everyone and everything there is covered with fine yellow dust. And so she describes taking the trip out to find the tribe in the desert. So hired local drivers, men from uh, Senegal. And they were driving the, the group of 18 contributors and volunteers to the Hunger Project out into the desert. And as she described it, there was, pro- there was really no way to, f- to know where we were going. These drivers somehow understood and were heading in a direction. But at one point as they were going along... On these old roads, and then you know, on the sand, the drivers pulled off to the side of the road. Didn't say anything, but they just pulled over to the side, and they got out and they listened. and And one of the drivers started to smile because they heard the sound of drums. So they got back in and they started driving the vehicles to the sound of the drums. And as they were driving, they could, see, Lynn Twist described seeing off in the distance these little specks, and she thought they were animals. But what they were were the children of the tribe running towards them. They were so excited that these people were coming in these vehicles, which is just a treat and excitement. So they pull into this, the area. And the area that they're, they're, they're g- gathered around, there's a beautiful tree that they gather under right there. That's called the Baobob tree, B-A-O-B-O-B baobab i think is how it's pronounced and anyway it provides shade so there was a, a few there was a hundred and some people in this tribe most of them in the shade of this big tree that that grows in these very desolate areas and when they got there they pulled them out of the, the people pulled them out of the jeeps and they, they put them in the center and they danced and they sang around these people to welcome them just a the beautiful beautiful experience and so once the welcome is over they they gathered in a group in the inner circle of this group as they, they uh, rallied around and sat in circles the first inner circle was all the men and the people that were leading the, the charge were the chief and the, the mullah because it's a Muslim community and in the outer ring were the women sound familiar anyway but that's how they operate there in the in the Senegal in the desert or the, how they did So anyway, um, what what happened then was the the mullah and chief described the help they needed. They needed water, they needed to find a new source of water or they needed to find a new place to live. So um, Lynn Twist, as she sat in this circle, felt the women behind her. She was in, I guess, the, the second circle, the women were in the third and she felt the presence of these women. And she just sort of knew to, to ask the chief and the mullah if she could have permission to speak to the women. And so the, the chief said, sure. So she gathered the women around. And what the women had to say was the following. In this circle of tribal women, several women assumed leadership and spoke right away saying that it was clear to them that there was an underground lake beneath this area. So these women knew there was an underground lake beneath the area but there was no proof of that they had but they had seen it in visions and they could feel it and they knew it was there and they needed Lynn twist said they needed our help to get permission from the men to dig a well deep enough to reach the water the men had not permitted it as they did not believe that water was there and also did not want the women to do that kind of work In their tradition, only certain kinds of labor were allowed for women. Weaving and farming were allowed. Planting and digging were not. But the women spoke with convincing vitality and strength. It was clear to me that they knew what they knew and they could be trusted to find the water. All they needed was permission from the men to pursue their clear instinct. That was the help they needed from an outside source. That was what they needed from us. So all they needed was help convincing these guys. So once again, we're looking at this, this idea of challenging the status quo. Because the status quo at that point in time was the men are always in charge and they make all the big decisions. And how, how these women can't dig a well. They can't do that kind of work. We've never done it before. So what happened is, uh, through a, a series of discussions, Lynn Rush says there was a rush of collective energy and commitment. I looked around me; it was baking hot. And there were thousands of flies. I had silt in my mouth and lungs. It was about as uncomfortable a place as you can imagine being in. And yet I remember that I did not find any, feel any thirst or discomfort. Only the presence of possibility amongst these bold and beautiful women. Only, I love that, only the presence of possibility amongst these bold and beautiful women. Isn't that great when we live in possibility? When do we feel it? when it's, it's not just an idea, but when we feel it in our, in our hearts. I mean, I'm having a possibility rush right now. You know, I, for 20 years, I've, been, I've done this now. I, I think November was my 20th anniversary of doing a Sunday talk, and I've done a few hundred of them. And every Saturday night, I have this beautiful date with the God of my knowing. And it's just such a beautiful experience. And I get to sit and I get to pull books out and look at stories and guidance and, and download and things show up. Now I've said to people over and over over the years, Saturday night is my, I have business to take care of. And it's not because it's something that's uh, punitive or harsh. It's I got a date with the beloved. And when she talks about the presence of possibility, that just speaks so clearly to me. So what she says here is, when we set out into the Sahel Desert, I had feared we were going to encounter people who were hopeless, starving, sick, and poor. I mean, that's the story we make up. We're going to go help these people, and they need our help. And they're suffering. Well, she got there and so said, these people had definitely needed more food and water, but they were not poor. They were not resigned. They were eager to create a way through this challenge, and they burned with the fire of possibility. They were a well of strength, a wealth of perseverance and ingenuity. They wanted our partnership, and our, not handouts or money or food. They wanted respect and equal partnership. And that's what we brought, respect and equal partnership. Brought a yes, an agreement. After many conversations with both the women and the men, we made an agreement with the mullahs and the chief that we would start our work with the women because the women had the vision. With our partnership, the men agreed to allow the women to begin work of digging the well. Over the next year, it took them a year to dig this well. The community rationed its existing supplies of water carefully. The women dug both with hand tools and the simple equipment we brought them. They dug deeper and deeper into the ground, singing, drumming, and caring for each other's children as they worked, never doubting that the water was there. The men watched skeptically, but allowed the work to continue. The women, however, were anything but doubtful. They were certain that if they dug deep enough, the water would be there, and it was. They reached the underground lake of their visions. In the years since, the men and women have been pumping, uh, have put in a pump, pump system and a water store- tower for storage. Not just one, but 17 tribes now have water. The whole region is transformed. Women's leadership... Groups in all 17 villages are, are centers of action. There's commerce going on. There's literacy going on. There's all kinds of things happening now that weren't going on. These women are now a respected part of the community in a new way because they're in shared leadership. All of a sudden, these men, because the status quo was the men always make the decision. So it's a hierarchical thing. And all of a sudden, they realize everybody has gifts and talents. Everybody has a, a something to share. And to, to honor that, and so the conversation becomes different. And the other piece of this is they were digging their well. They were digging their well and they kept digging deep. What I've watched my journey in, with spirituality over the last 30 years, this has been my path since I was 16, but I didn't get into ministry until I was in my 40s. But it's very easy to dig a, something three feet deep and decide there's no water there and then go start digging another hole and keep looking and look, looking. And part of what I know is beneficial is to keep digging your Well. Find out what works for you and dig it and dig it and dig it deep and keep going because there's water there. So when I watch the teens and I watch the cosmic kids and I watch people that that enroll themselves in what we offer here in terms of we are a teaching community. We're awakening here. We're here in transformation waking to the greater possibility of ourselves. And so with the teens, that come together, they spend this, this, this bit of time in, a, in a, a, an artificial environment that they create willingly, and they get to know one another. They build rapport. And then they do processes together, and they learn about themselves, and they learn about one another, and they realize, wow, they're, they're just like me. And it creates oneness, and it creates c- collaboration, and it cl- creates love. Because when we spend time together, we, we learn how to love one another, hopefully. And so the environment and the space that Alicia and, and Saskia hold for them creates that environment so that they have that, that beautiful insight and awareness. And so they deepen. And their lives are changed, not just this weekend, but forever. Because I know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, they're gonna go out in the world and there are gonna be people that are, are out there that will disagree with what we represent here. That there is no such thing as oneness. That it's all about hoarding and getting. Remember I talked about the three myths last week? There's not enough, more is better, and it's always been that way. And yet, here's these young people that understand that that's not, it's not right or wrong. They don't have to burn that down. They just get to decide whether they agree with it or not and live their lives accordingly. Because there are many people out there to tell you what to think and tell you how to live and model behavior fear that is not in alignment with the, the truth of our opportunity as hu- and humanity on this planet. So here's this beautiful tribe in the desert that trusted the intuition of these wise women that allowed them to step into a position that be spokesman for the possibility and to shift the culture and to honor the men, but at the same time say, hey, we, we think we have a good idea here. And so Lynn Twist showed up to support that and to be, to be sort of a practitioner. We talk about practitioner work here. She was a prayer presence to, to shift the conversation and open up an opportunity for shared leadership and then to dig the well deep. Didn't matter how long the women knew the water was there. And so the reason that I want to share that with you, and there's a picture, I've got a picture of, oh, we're already transforming lives, perfect. So we're a community, and we're playing with this this new mission statement, transforming lives. The reason that we exist, the only reason that we exist as a community, is to make a difference. Is to make a difference. That's it. Individually, collectively, as a community. And so I want to share with you some of the things that are happening here, what's unfolding here. First of all, we're moving into a mission-centric ministry model. So people have asked, and I'm going to show you a website where you can go check that out. That is a three to five-year cultural shift. We have partnered with and contracted with Reverend Gary Simmons, Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons. He was with us when we did the Q process. Q process is the fundamental piece. The Q process is a 21-day, so you've never heard this, Q means quantum. It is a 21-day self-directed process of looking at our daily triggers, and he has us start out with the paper cuts because if it's too big, we'll, we'll, we'll probably implode and not be able to continue. So we start out with the little annoyances, the little things that sort of push our buttons, whatever that may be. They're unique to you, and looking at that, and re-scripting it, and using it, using it as spiritual practice. So the cue process is the first step, and that is ongoing. We're bringing it back, but that's going to go on from now until forever, and we'll do it, and we want to, and, and repeating it is not a problem. That's why we're offering the a, a discount for those people. Dr. Gary has people in his community that he and his wife Jane have been there ten years, have people that have done it ten times. It's always good. We're sharpening. We're sharpening the blade. Sharpening the blade. So the Q process is important. The spirit groups. Spirit groups are outreach. Finding something, and it's not just getting together and weaving, because weaving's great, and you can do that as well. But it's about finding in your spirit group a way to, to make a difference. And there's wonderful ideas happening. I've already had people share with me. So spirit groups are groups of eight people. They come together for ten weeks, find a project to take on. You know, we do the mustard seed. There's many, many things out there we can be part of. But what this does is it activates something within all of us to serve and to be empowered to make a difference. So it's not just sitting at home and praying. It's actually moving our feet and finding ways to do it. And it's one of the healthiest practices for any community. People are concerned about this, the things and shifts and changes. We have gone a peri- through a period here where there's been bumps in the road. But what we stand for and what our opportunity is is to be part of something that we're called to, be, um, to represent and that's transforming lives. So spirit groups, and we're, and we're going to on-ramp that slowly. We're still doing the Q process. We're inviting people to, to play with us, play with that information, and it's wonderful. I'm going to start bringing people up to do testimonials, but it's powerful, powerful stuff. How many people here would like to live in freedom? See, we're here to live in freedom. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, live in freedom. We are teaching of freedom, of possibility of abundance, of sufficiency. And so the more people that we can enroll in this, it creates a spiritual bandwidth to be successful as a community that is powerful. Powerful because each person is empowered and making a difference out in the world. And, and so we, what we're doing on top of that is that we have the season for nonviolence. Now the season for nonviolence has been around for 18 years. It begins with the death of Martin Luther King and it ends with the death of Gandhi it's 64 days. We have already booked a space at City Hall. We are gonna be the... We are gonna launch this as a spiritual community and we're gonna invite the other centers for spiritual living to, to partner with us. We didn't, uh, we, we wanted to make sure we'd secured the dates and we have at City Hall. We're gonna do it at 10 o'clock. It's a Wednesday morning, so if you can't be there, we understand. But we, want, we hope to bring in, we're not hope to, we are right now um, inviting people of, of, uh, that we think could be valuable in this initiative. It is our, it's our uh, opening ceremony. And then 64 days. And a closing ceremony, which we're going to do at City Hall as well. So we're putting that program together, but it's going to be around random acts of kindness for 64 days. Uh, This this is a really user-friendly program. It's been around 18 years. There's a press kit. There's qualities each day that we represent. How are we going to show up in the world? And I think it's a great way for centers, the collective centers of of spiritual living in Edmonton to take a stand to let people know who we are. And then we're going to gather that information where you have had a shift and change in your life with a random act of kindness. And we're going to share that information. We want to film it. We want it to be part of our story, and we will do it every year. So it's exciting to be part of that, because the world needs what we have to offer. The world needs this teaching. If we're going to make it, gang, it's up to all of us. Each one of us matters, and is important. And this whole idea of separation and of pointing fingers and of war, if we don't do it, then hatred and fear wins. And I look at these generations that are coming behind me. I look at these teens. I look at the cosmic kids. I look at my my grandchildren, my children. And I get to be part of the solution. And I know that that being part of it, reaching out in the world, and so what we're doing is we're changing the status quo of how we operate here. We go from minister-centric, which is top-down, to mission-centric. For years and years and years, we relied on our practitioners to lead. It's a model that hasn't worked for us because there's so much leadership here. And we're going to tap into it. And we love our practitioners. But, but everybody's path is different. Why limit the resources? But to change, challenge the status quo of how we operate. It's a whole different model. You still need someone that leads the charge and can bring a message on Sunday. But it's a whole different model because we can become a community of small groups making a difference out in the world. Rick Warren's church in the U.S., 50,000 members. The thing that that makes it rich and wonderful? Spirit groups. We're actually interviewing people right now to be the director of the spirit group because we need someone that's here in a paid position. We're going to do that. We need a full-time youth minister. We need to expand our programs and move out in the world in an amazing and beautiful way. And so all those things that we've got a fifth, we just finished revamping a 15-year strategic plan. So next week, if you want to hear more about it, we're going to do a planting the seeds meeting and talk to you about what's the possibility. And we're going to invite you to be part of it. This is where we're going. This is what it's going to take. You want to be part of it? And I offer that invitation because it's exciting. I'm excited to do this season for nonviolence. I think it's just it's time. Challenge the status quo. Share leadership. Dig your well deep. I have a a quote I want to share with you that I think is quite beautiful about the Beloved Community, which was inspired by Martin Luther King. It's four slides. We'll go slow, and I can repeat it. If you'd like the information, I can make sure you get it. But this comes from, um, inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King, it comes from my dear friend, Reverend Dr. Jim Lockard. And he wrote a book called The Beloved Community. And it's a beautiful, beautiful model that ties in beautifully with the mission-centric. He's very good friends with Dr. Gary Simmons, by the way. And if, so the beloved community is a collection of individuals who are learning how to love themselves, one another, and the universe. You're learning how to love yourself, one another, and the universe. And when we're, we're trapped in our triggers, we're trapped in our unhealed past, we are either living our spiritual magnificence or we're expressing our unhealed past. It's either or. And so I watched Brad Pitt the other day and he was talking about how angry people have gotten politically in the United States. And Brad Pitt's just an actor, you know, come on. But he had something to say. He said, you know, when I see the vitriolic conversations going on and the finger pointing and the accusations, he said, you know, you might want to look at yourself there. And that's what, that's what the, um, the Q process invites us. When you live in scarcity and there's not enough, guess what you get? You get limitation within your own life. So how can we stand in the sufficiency to not let what we have in our lives inform who we are? See, we forget who we are. We think what we have is who we are. It's just a mistake, but it's easy to do because the world wants you to know that. You know, because what you need is the new car they're selling or the new big screen TV. Black Friday's coming, huh? Let's get out there and get our goodies. That'll make us feel better about ourselves for about three days. The next slide, however, this is language, this idea of loving ourselves, loving one another, loving, them, however, this is language, it's the same thing. The creation of the experience of belonging, the experience and experiencing the wonders of who we are individually and collectively, it is a place where purpose and passion meet. It is a place where purpose and passion meet, where we get to practice being the people we desire to be. See, that's why we come here together. We get the cue process, and we go to these classes, and we get the practice being the person that we imagine ourselves to be, and eventually it bleeds into our lives, and eventually it lines up. But it takes practice. It takes practice. It takes commitment, and support others in that effort, not only for us, but this, that's what the teens did this week, and they supported one another in their awakening, and their and their aliveness, and their beauty, and their love to love themselves and love one another. You know, it seems so simple. I was raised in a tradition. Forget about loving yourself. Look at these poor people that are suffering. Give everything you have to them. And so all I would share with them was my misery. Everything I offered them came from misery and suffering because I lived in scarcity. I didn't have people around me that understood this idea of sufficiency. It is a place where we find p- purpose and passion meet. Where we, in the next slide, where we get to practice being the people we desire to be. i probably already in that slide. Excuse me, and support others in that effort. The beloved community is a strong attractor to those who seek spiritual realization. That's why we're here, spiritual realization. If you're not on board with that, it's okay. But the majority of people here are interested in spiritual realization. And so um, the last one is it's not a place of struggle. And when we see struggle, let's use our Q process. Let's dive into our spirit groups. Let's do something productive. Let's put that energy that malcontent, that scarcity consciousness into something productive. It is not a place of struggle, but of continual progress towards a vision. See, what I know about this and the metaphor, and I love the story about it, is I know that there's water here. I know that there's something possible here that we cannot even imagine, that we have an opportunity as a community to give birth to something that is rich and powerful and wonderful. And we got to stop moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic, because that ship is still going down. This is about a transformation of consciousness, and I know it and I sense it. And the last few years, the last few years, for, the last few years have, been, have been a real challenge. And we watched our numbers go down, we've watched the finances diminish, and then the, the suggestion is, let's go to one service. You know, we had this place full at the first service. There's, a, I, there's over 80 people here right now. There's an aliveness that is happening here. But people that want to cut, you can cut and cut till there's nothing left. We now have a board of trustees, and you come next week, we'll tell you a lot of this. We can't share it all in one week. There's some exciting things happening here. Very exciting. And we've gathered together people, a group like the women that knew there was water there. We now have a group here that understands there's water here, and it's our opportunity. But the old status quo has to go. And and a new leadership has to emerge, and that's what the, the spirit groups allows. And you don't have to be part of a spirit group. But some of us will be a part of a spirit group. And then we dig the water, because there's water there. There's a water of life there. And it's exciting. I mean, what else are we going to do? If we weren't doing this, we'd be doing something else, huh? We might as well do this. We might as well be about transforming the consciousness upon this planet. There's no accident that you're in this room. We look out in the world, and we see the news, and we see the, the discontent, and the blaming, and the shaming, and the marginalization within political systems, and the criticism. And the the deception and all that stuff's a reality. But more of that and hating that is not going to get us to where we're we're called to be. It takes courage. It takes determination because there's water here within each and every one of us. And we got to keep digging because it's easy to throw our hands up and walk away. I'm not throwing my hands up and walking away. I've planted my flag right here. And I've had people around me now that have planted their flag as well. we got work to do. But it should be exciting and joyful. So here's the uh, slide for the mission-centric ministry. People have come to me and said, oh, what's this mission-centric thing? Well, here it is, and I'm going to talk about it more and more. There's the, if you go to www.drgarysimmons.com, this man is a genius. He has devoted 20 years to his life developing this. And the, and the Q process is just one step. That, you know they have Q process for kids? They have Q process for teens? They have Q process for your board? They have Q process where you go back through it and you study the legacy of your community and the unhealed stuff that didn't get resolved years and years and years ago. This is an opportunity for healing. If we can free that much energy up, who knows what's possible? Who know we will attract into this environment? to be transformed, we are here to transform ourselves. I am here as the author of my own personal transformation and so are you. But let's have tools in our toolbox that assist us in moving forward. So here's Dr. Gary's, and, I'm gonna, and then the next slide. There's Dr. Gary on the left, he's been with us. That is his beautiful wife, Jane Simmons, on the right. She wrote a book, she's gonna be with here with us on February and do a workshop based on her book, You Can't Sleep Through Your Awakening. These are the two authors of the Q process. That's where you would find out about the Q effect. And look at this. Here's two guys you may have heard of standing there behind the Q effect because they realize how powerful it is. One is Greg Braden. Anybody know Greg Braden? Anybody know Bruce Lipton? Yeah. These are two guys that know the power of this Q effect. Because what happens with all of this information, all of this translation, it doesn't lead to transformation you can take all the workshops weekend workshops you can get and you walk away with a head full of information I'll tell you by Thursday you forgot most of it we have to have things tangible in our lives that are consistent that are self-regulated and along with this cue process you find ways to do something kinesthetic like a random act of kindness every day for yourself or another person it, help, it helps ground us It becomes a part of who and what we are so there's exciting things happening folks and this stuff is groundbreaking. This is a revolutionary practice. This is, we have done church the same way for 400 years, and the model doesn't work anymore. And that's good, because that model has died. There are people using this model that are, that are thriving, and people's lives are being transformed. That's why we're here. Let's at least try. Let's bring our best and see where it takes us. I love these teens coming out. I'd love to bring the Cosmic Kids up. I'd love to see you guys on a Sunday. Bring your friends You know, as we go out in the world, one of the things about the spirit groups is you don't meet in the church. You don't ask people to come here. You meet in your own home and you invite your friends to be part of your spirit group. It's the most powerful, powerful recruitment tool there could be. Because over time, the ones that are drawn to who you are because you are so alive with the presence of spirit and transformation, they are like, man, I gotta have some of that. Where are you going on a Sunday? Because you've done enough of your own work and cleaned up enough of your triggers so you can have a conversation that's inspiring. And you live a life of sufficiency. You live a life of abundance. You live a life of creativity. You live a life of wisdom. And the other great thing about this is when you live a life like that, you find the joy in it every day. Joseph, uh, Joseph Campbell wrote that, you know, we know we're, we're moving along the path when you can live in the sorrow of life in joy. To have the fullness of your emotional experience, have your heart broken, and still be joyful. It sounds paradoxical, but It is possible the joy of having such an open heart and feeling such sorrow when we lose a loved one. But to know that that joy that that relationship continues or the possibility that wants to happen, that's why we're here. We're here to transform lives. And we're, we're here to transform ourselves. Find what works for ourselves and work it. So it's exciting. I, I invite you to be here next Sunday and have the conversation with the board and hear what's happening. But you're going to hear more from me. Over, over time and we're going to be launching this season for nonviolence for 64 days and see where that takes us see what good we can create in the world for ourselves and others so thank you for being part of this movement thank you for being available to possibility thank you for being willing to step into the unknown and to give birth to, to come along with us and dig this well deep so that we find the water that is life giving water even Jesus wrote about that, that life-giving water. It's there. And so thank you for sensing that with us. Something beautiful is happening here, and it's you. And so it is. Amen.